What is language? Is it the product of any manifestation of human mental life, as Walter Benjamin suggested? And so, can we equally consider the language of the act, the language of dreams, the language of fine arts, of music, poetry? Or is it instead a special mode of expression that consists of specific vocabulary and syntax, as Susan Langer posited? And so, there's only a discursive language, and when we refer to the other means of nonverbal expression as language, do we use a, a loose terminology? But in this case, what would we risk to lose? And what do we need to retrieve from the multiple languages of the human mind? In this episode, we listen to Ruggero Levi on his paper The Polyphony of Contemporary Psychoanalysis, The Multiple Languages of Man, where he proposes that the contemporary analyst can and should listen to the various languages of man and help the patient to think what was unthinkable, to name what was unnameable. Ruggero Levi is a full member and training analyst of the Psychoanalytic Society from Porto Alegre, Brazil, former president of the Psychoanalytic Society from Porto Alegre, chair of the IPA Working Parties Committee. He departs his reflection from the importance of listening to the language of the non-symbolic, which depends on the analyst's capacity for reverie and to metaphorize the patient's reports, in order to propose, instead, the construction of symbolic forms through the use of what he called the scaffolding for thinking. I am Gaetano Pellegrini, and this is Talks on Psychoanalysis, the IPA podcast that shares topics published in the IPA Society Journals and Congress Debates Worldwide. Please check the details of the episode to find more information about the author and to find the reference to the original paper published in 2019 in the International Journal of Psychoanalysis. And to stay informed about the latest podcast releases, please sign up today. The Polyphony of Contemporary Psychoanalysis, The Multiple Languages of Man. First of all, I would like to thank to the IPA website editorial board, particularly to Romulo Petrini, Gaetano Pellegrini, and Isabel Silveira. This podcast is actually a synthesis of the paper The Polyphony of Contemporary Psychoanalysis the Multiple Languages of Man, published in the International Journal, Volume 100, Number 4, of 2019. The paper begins with general considerations about man's symbolic universe and its various languages. It proceeds by considering that the linguistic essence of man is his nominating language different from all other languages of the animal world. The published test from a clinical case discusses the vicissitudes of human language when it cannot name certain experiences. It proposes that the contemporary analyst 
must be able to listen to the various languages of man and help the patient from a particular technical posture to be able to think what was unthinkable, to name the unnameable, passing through intermediate moments. One starts from listening to the language of the non-symbolic to the construction of symbolic forms through the use of scaffolding to think, passing through the analyst's capacity for reverie and his ability to metaphorize the patient's communication. This is what allows for historicization, the, pet, the putting of the patient's life into narrative. By the nature of this podcast, the clinical case will be omitted. Introduction. We all know that man is not a rational animal, that his relationship with the world is not governed by rationality, but by the symbolic system. In other words, the mental functioning of man, as we all know, is not dominated by rationality, by a symbolic system which mediates his relation to the world. What then is the characteristic of this system? Walter Benjamin considers that any manifestation of human mental life can be conceived as language. Thus, man lives immersed in numerous languages, the language of the act, the language of dream, the language of fine arts, of music, of poetry, and the language of words articulated inside a grammatical structure, the discursive language as such. I believe that what is essential for all of us psychoanalysts is to understand the various manifestations of man's symbolic system or its failures as it communicates or fails to communicate the meaning to which we want and need access. However, Benjamin develops his thought and states that the linguistic essence of man is his naming language different from all other languages in the animal world. He believes that man creates the thing by naming it. In psychoanalytic terms, perhaps it would be more accurate to say that man creates the thing by representing it. The rain lies perhaps man's essential creativity. Bion and Winnicott, with their seminal concepts and contemporary authors like Ogden, Farrow, Green, Civitarezzi and others, have respectively created and expanded the notion that meaning is constructed in the space between two subjects. These contributions will influence the way of working in contemporary psychoanalysis, at least post-Bionian and post-Winnicottian, making the minds of the analyst play a determining role. Be it in the possibility of symbolizing non-symbolization originated from traumatic experiences, or in opening the mind to new meanings and new worldviews. Speaking from the perspective of language, in line with this model of work, 
we will be often be speaking of creation, construction of meanings, or likewise of language, and not only in the sense of revealing the already existing meanings or translating one language to another. Even though often we are making use of this model. I believe that the contemporary analyst should be essentially a polyglot who can listen to and understand the varied languages in the wide sense of all forms in which the psychic words of their patient and their own manifest themselves from the most primitive, pre-symbolic to the most abstract symbolic ones which are present in the analytic field and reflect the different levels and modes of thought which are permanently alternating. I propose to study in this paper some transformations of the language of the unsymbolized, the non-dreaming in Casorla's terms, how this language is expressed, how we can hear it and continue dreaming and naming it. I will go into the details of the technique of creating what I call scaffolding for thinking, as it seems to me that this is a key element of psychoanalysis today. In the published work, based on a clinical case that I will not be able to detail here, I divide the patient's evolution into three great periods that I have called the language of scream, the language of dream, and the language of achievement. The language of scream for an absent presence. In this item, I refer to patients who present themselves to analysis with symbolic insufficiencies, without constancy in either the representations of the self or of their objects. Patients need to evacuate many emotions before they can even feel them, because they cannot symbolize them and therefore cannot contain them. These are patients in whom the container is insufficient. They are patients who, besides being able to present multiple addictions, their symptomatology is expressed basically by acting out with self-mutilations, exposure to risky situations, violent acts, etc. Many times, these acting outs have the purpose of evacuating feelings of helplessness, fragility, impotence, fear of dying, which cannot be contained, symbolically transformed, and therefore psychically elaborated. In the first moment of analysis, these unrepresented or weakly represented feelings cannot be directly accessed, precisely because the patient does not yet have a psychic container capable of containing these emotions and therefore of symbolizing them. In this mental functioning, the means of dealing with the unbearable emotion is its evacuation through the passage to act. The threat, the helplessness, the fear of dying, the despair are placed in a dramatic scene instead 
of being felt, dreamed, and spoken. I hear this language almost as if it were a dramatization in which a cry is heard. I am angry, I am desperate, I am afraid to die, save me. The problem we face in this kind of analysis is that precisely because the patients cannot bear these emotions with which are unthinkable, they are evacuated into behavior, into the body, which is what suffers, or they are split and projected. And to force their reintroductions prematurely or to force their thinkability would be only recreate a traumatic situation. To give thinkability to these raw emotions, the work on the transitional space become an important resource. A technique widely developed by authors like Antonino Ferro, François Richard, among others, it allows the creation of what I call scaffolding to think. It is about using the characters brought to the session and there, in the intermediate space, neither in the internal world nor in the external world, analyze, construct the meaning of certain actions or needs without referring directly to the patient, which would not be supported. Through the emotional climate shared in the session, it is possible to build understandings about the emotional life of these doubles of the patient. It is often possible to analyze the patient's feelings of abandonment and powerlessness that are splitted and projected into these doubles that frequent the analysis room through the patient's narrative. Following the example of what is done in child analysis, it is possible to take those friends as characters in a game, since there, in that intermediate space, the patient tolerates analyzing those emotions. Often the patient does not tolerate any kind of allusion to himself. But yes, he tolerates the analysis of the character in the intermediary space and thus, in this intermediary space, it is possible to expand his symbolic chain and his psychic container in beyond terms. Gradually, it is possible to create a network of signifiers that allows in a second moment, to contain and think his own emotions, initially unthinkable. This expansion of the symbolic chain through the work in the transitional space already constitutes a form of construction of scaffolding for thinking. I want to emphasize that this work in the transitional is what permits the expansion of the symbolic network of the patient, where a profound work of containment and transformation is done in the analyst's mind. This produces effects in the patients. The process of transformation and metaphorizing of the actions of the field's characters is conducted in the mind of the analyst, remaining there for the moment in order not to cause 
indigestion in the apparatus for thinking and preventing the transformation of these comprehensions into new better or bizarre elements that would need to be eliminated again. Analysts must be able to respect the language in which the patient is able to communicate, understand it, allow himself to be impregnated by that language and seek to create more symbolic form through this scaffold for thinking. Or the language of image and dream. After building a solid symbolic chain through the work in the intermediary space and also through the work of constructing meaning by means of regular psychoanalytic interventions, we may be surprised by a significant expansion of the capacity to dream. Dreaming in the literal sense of oniric production during sleep, whether in the Bionian and Meltzerian sense of daydreaming of emotional experiences. Sometimes in the intermediate between the language of screen and the language of dream, we find what I have called thought external processes, which are images offered by the culture through websites or video games to which the patient compulsively, additively adheres. These images capture these patients because they lend themselves to give figurability to primitive tragedies as yet unthinkable by the patient himself. These images are not created by the patients, but he adheres to them in an addictive way because they serve to him. I wish to propose the following concept. The mind still does not possess a sufficient alpha function in order to symbolize a given emotions, or when a container capable of containing certain thoughts brought about by unthinkable emotion has not been established, or still the thinker is not able to think certain thoughts, the subject can addictively cling to prothetic thoughts, which are images provided by culture because they represent tragedies that at the moment are unthinkable. I believe that many addictions to violent video games have this as a basis. I do not think that the attractions to these images, which I am calling prothesis thoughts, occurs because they associate themselves by meaning with unconscious repressed fantasies. No, rather I suggest that they attract, magnetize exactly because they serve in giving figurability to non-symbolic elements or insufficiently symbolized registers embedded in the mind that keep generating their own symptoms of traumatic situations. I deem that in severely disturbed patients in whom symbolic failures and insufficiencies in the symbolic function are present, the use of symbolic prothesis may proceed with the aid of psychoanalytic treatment 
the capability to dream one's emotional experiences, almost as if it were a halfway point between evacuation by the passage to act and the capacity to dream. But what is important for this paper, what is essential, is that these pre-symbolic images can, through the analyst's reverie, be taken as metaphors of the patient's internal world. Process of metaphorization where the mind of the analyst plays a key role is essential for the psychic growth of the patients. Without it, these visual signifiers, be they images from video games or videos sometimes from ultra-violent websites or from humanitarian massacres, remain only portraits of these tragedies. In good developments, we are gradually surprised by feelings of deep helplessness, threat, and loneliness appearing in the form of dreams dreamed by the patients himself in analysis. They begin to make contact with what was unthinkable, sometimes deeply paranoid and depressive feelings. Epilogue, the language of achievement. From the moment the patient is able to contain, transform, and dream his heaviest emotional experience without having to evacuate them in the act or in additions, the process of symbolization and internal elaboration is underway. We can then observe symbolic construction in increasing abstraction. I believe that, even if we don't succeed, we should always seek what Bion called the language of achievement. This depends on the analyst's negative capacity to endure the absence of understanding and interpretation until a formulation emerges that enunciates the emotion of the field. Presentational, poetic, metaphoric language rich in linguistic imagery is often the language that can bring out the richness of the most unsuspected human passions and fantasies. Little by little, we can be surprised with the patient who before could only communicate through the language of scream, acting intensely, finally communication, communicating in a highly evocative metaphoric language. For example, saying yesterday, I felt like an abandoned lost baby without the analyst ever having referred to him in this way. And on the other hand, the analyst also responding in metaphorical language. For example, saying, when you feel frustrated and afraid at a party, you behave like a terrorist leader to make everyone scared. The language of images or metaphorical linguistic images has the power to simultaneously evoke several complex emotional charged symbols that would be emptied if we were to describe them one by one through discursive language. These shared metaphors in analysis, a rich co-creation of the analytic diet is like a squiggle game that keeps expanding.
Without being poets, neither we nor our patients, we often achieve this quality of language. Perhaps it could be said that we should seek a language capable of promoting an aesthetic experience, that is, capable of making contact with the emotion present in the analytic field and arousing the desire to know more. Thank you very much.